Before we start this podcast, I just want to give a quick shout out to May's label sponsor, Sounds at All. When I was starting White Sepulchre Records, I really looked up to Sounds at All as an inspiration. They produce highly curated and thoughtful releases that focus on sound, curation, and collaboration. They've released brilliant records by Dolphin Midwives, Benoit Poulard and Antlerd, Manuba Shimada, and many more. Patreon subscribers will receive a mix of Sounds at All artists created by myself and label owner Andy Fry. Starting this podcast is their newest piece of art, a collaborative improvised record between Kaspar Sonnet and Kozu Matsumoto. It's an intense listen that is released as a 32-page book with an accompanying digital download. Check it out. Hello, this is Madeline from Midwife. David Nance. Seth Graham. Kiaville. Mike from Uniform. Lee Noble. Braden J. For this podcast, I sit down with Nashville-based Eve Merritt following a show in Cincinnati. In typical fashion, we delve deep into early musical experiences, the intersections of religion and artistic development, and what it takes to really go for it. Eve is a great interview subject and puts on a killer live show. Special thanks to Ali Cat Tinselbuns, real name, who recorded the podcast. I am sitting here on the steps of what used to be a church uh, in Northside Cincinnati uh, that has now turned into a bar. And I'm sitting here with Eve Moret. Did I say the, your last name correct? You could say it Moret. Merit. Merit. Merit, okay. Murray. Murray. Whatever okay. you prefer. <laughs> <laughs> I've been saying Moret. Technically, it's Merit. Merit, but okay. But it's one of those weird, you know, you don't really know until you hear it mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I'm sitting here with Eve Merritt, um, following a really, really amazing show um, in yeah. this former church basement. Um, I, and I kind of wish it was like a form, like it would be cooler if it's like a church basement. Like, oh, we For just sure. like had like a rave and like a, an active church basement. It it really feels like that in a way. Yeah. Like, also kind of getting like school cafeteria vibes. Oh, for very some much so. Yeah. There's a there's a pa- like a um, a Facebook page of like. Uh, disappearing north side um, that people talk about what building used to be and I came across a poem that uh, a person who used to be a parishioner here wrote about this church that's like now a bar and it's like all about like her experience like like, oh father Perry used to you know like have choir practice here and I used to have like lunch you know cafeteria over here and it was like really touching I'm like oh man and now I'm sorry now it's a bar that we (laughs) throw raves in the basement. Well, it's awesome. <laughs> it is. We made time. it better. Actually, much better use it's of the a, space. I mean, it's a spiritual experience. Yeah, for what sure. What are we saying? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, much better use of the space. So, 
so, so yeah, sitting here with Eve Merritt, uh, following a really great show, uh, and I want to talk to you about um, your origin, <laughs> your origin story. Yeah. Um, where you grew up, um, what were some really important musical experiences that you had, um, what got you into creating the music that you're making now, um, and yeah, so we'll just kind of go from there. Okay. So where did you where did you grow up? I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. Um, what like St. Louis proper or um, suburbs? Okay. Like probably 15 minutes from downtown. Okay. But def you know cul de sac yeah, life. Yeah, for sure. Um, went to Catholic school for 12 years, and actually, um, hearing music at church was one of the first like kind of big and influential experiences that I had. What kind of music did they play at church? Very traditional um, Catholic hymns. Okay, so kind of that liturgical, yes. like plain song. Definitely. Very um, cool. And what was so important about the experience of like hearing music in church was like, I was a very shy kid, like, and I just didn't have friends. So, <laughs> When I was in church and I was singing with all of the people, I was like, I felt like I was belonging to something greater than myself. And I also, I felt so much joy with singing as well, even though like, if I knew my mom was there, I wouldn't sing. Mm. I'm just like, that's, that's I'm, my character quirks. I just can be really funny like that. But yeah, um, so that was a really huge experience for me. Um, just like, singing along and listening and you know no one is trained really there you know you just hear people um, from all walks of life um, gathering to like make sound which is yeah. really appealing I, I think that's one of the really great things about uh, church and, and religion I grew up really religious as well yeah. um, in a different much different tradition um, but it was it, it was very similar to that where um, all you had was like piano accompaniment, mm -hmm. uh, maybe an electric organ, and then all of these people that really like uh, had no formal training in singing for or sure. did not sing in any other setting in their life except for there and then at yeah. church. And I was um, very, very, very self-conscious, and so I uh, never like really sing. Like I would like mouth the words. For sure. Yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> um, but I, I, I did like. I think looking back now, I really appreciate that about um, about church and something I look for um, attending and, and organizing events is like how can we bring people from like all sorts of walks of life who in other situations and other contexts wouldn't be together, but for um, you know this love of music and um, the, a chance to kind of like be together, even if you're you know in the corner dancing. By yourself yeah. or you're sitting quietly listening to like beautiful ambient music for sure yeah so like being in church I kind of connected it well my young mind didn't know what was going on exactly <laughs> but like you know transcendence and belonging and community and um, another important thing to bid along the along the way is like my parents loved classical music and so there was classical music playing in my house 24 7 like I would come home from school and I'd be like you know, Chopin or, you know, WC or whatever. And so it was like, that was really familiar and comfortable to me. Um, and I loved it. It was just like, I have always been like 
a dreamer for sure and that music it just allows for me to like wander in all sorts of different directions in my mind and like my parents took me to the symphony when I was young which was an awesome experience you know just being a little kid seeing these like incredible performers basically like computers <laughs> play play this totally expansive music and like not understanding it you know I couldn't understand it I wasn't playing music at the time but it was just really affecting me and um, my first attempt at playing music was when I was eight I tried to play clarinet but um, and I was so excited about it you know I was just like over the moon <laughs> but I was scared of my teacher and I was scared of messing up and when you play clarinet you mess up you know like you make bad sounds so I like tried it for maybe a month or two but then I was just like so self-conscious about it I kind of let it go and so I kind of just like, existed in this like listening phase um, observing phase like collecting information basically um, and singing a lot um, until I was 15 and then I started playing guitar I like went to high school. I still didn't have any friends. I was like, forget this. Like, I'm just not gonna fit in with these people, I guess. Um, and yeah, I was like, I feel like I need to express myself in some different way. And I also make visual art. That's been kind of a big part of my inspiration too. Um, I like to draw inspiration from lots of different places and I'll, come back around to it basically electronic music to me is, is more similar to visual art than any other music that I have listened to really like just the mystique and like the enigmatic nature like what's going on here exactly like when I look at a painting it's like how did that happen you know it's like infinite possibilities basically but so I started playing guitar and I was really into blues music like mm. um, okay movie Oh Brother Where Art Thou saw it maybe when I was like 14 it's an incredible soundtrack yeah you know and that film introduced me to Skip James and he has this song called Hard Time Killing Floor Blues and it's just so potent like it's a tragic song like just about suffering and um, it resonated with me for whatever reason and I was like I want to play some blues guitar and um, so I started taking lessons and uh, was really enjoying it and then I met um, another student of my teacher named Rennie and he is an artist and a guitarist and we started playing in a band together called German Sermon because okay. oh. <laughs> <laughs> we're both like you know of German descent and like used to be Catholic uh -huh. um, and he introduced me to all kinds of music. It was like the first most important one would definitely be Noi. Like he showed me Noi, and I was just uh, done. Uh, how old were you when you heard Noi? I was fifteen. Jesus Christ! Wow. Lucky. Yeah. Really lucky. Wow. Ah! I was like, oh my god, is this really happening? And you know, like Talking Heads, all of that. Like. I feel like you you have to have that one person who's just like has like the plug yeah. like into music that you wouldn't discover or even want to discover for sure you know like w what relevance does a uh, 70s crap rock band have you know to a 15 year old until you're shown yeah it. exactly like I had gone my whole life listening to 
classical music and church music, and then it's like, boom, mm-hmm. like, here's this. I was like, oh my god. But it's god. still like very, uh, very influenced. Like has a lot, like, crowd rock has a lot. I feel a lot in common with like classical music yeah. and like the idea of uh, of the composition sort of being this like living, breathing thing. Definitely. With uh, with dynamics that take huge long movements yes. um, to, to complete definitely it listening to kraut rock is a meditation mm-hmm. to me for sure <laughs> um which is part of why i love it so much so yeah i met rennie i was playing guitar and then i was like i want to learn how to play bass and so i was like okay i'm playing bass now i guess and um then i was like i want to learn how to drum like that seems really fun and so you know like just being a loner i was like just into music, just playing music with old guys, basically. Um, and this is still in St. Louis. This is still in St. Louis. I like transferred high schools, and for the first time ever, I was like, "Wow, you know, I'm I've met people who don't think that I'm a total freak." Like, I think now I would appreciate it if someone called me a freak, but at the time, it wasn't a good thing. Anyway, so I met some girls like who I got along with, and we started a band. And uh, what was that called? Leather Tramp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Leather Tramp was an angsty, um, all-girl rock band, basically. Um, I played bass and sometimes drums. Uh, it was awesome. It was my first time, like, I don't know, just, like, writing songs with these women and, like, playing shows. But the first time I played a show, it was a benefit concert at my high school, and I was like, please don't come. I was like, I was like telling people, you know, don't come. And they're like, this is a benefit concert. And like, you want to tell people to come. I was just like, my nerves were through the roof. Like, I was so jazzed, but ultimately it went okay. It went okay. It went okay. okay. It was rocky, but like, you know, just had to do it. Yeah. It's, it's a terrifying, it's a terrifying thing. Definitely. To like, but it's like something that you like look forward to. Like, I feel like, if you're going to create music and you have sort of that um, vision of like this is what I want to do, like you know at some point like you're gonna have to do that in front of people. Yeah. So it's like a terrifying thing, but it's also like a super gratifying thing. Definitely, it's definitely stretched me and like helped me grow creatively and like personally and emotionally and all of these beautiful ways. It's funny before um, earlier this afternoon I was like writing down like what are my inspirations? <laughs> like I made this kind of like map of music cool wow you did your homework yeah i I like to do that (laughs) (laughs) it's it's fun for me so yeah um kraut rock craft work of course um bruce hack i'm not bruce hack is really cool um really influential he has this one album oh my god what's it called um electric wizard electric wait what's it called electric lucifer oh electric. yes electric lucifer that's right yeah um, he's got this one song called Blowjob, which, yeah. like, is just, the lyrics are so nonsensical. Like, it's just totally out of context, and it's a banger, like, in its own way. Um, what kind of music is it? It's, um, I don't know. Is it's it, like, like, of that era? It's, like, 70s, like, just bizarre, vocoded. Okay. Like, that was kind of one of the things that mm. got me into vocoder mm-hmm. sounds. Um, orchestral, like distorted like just 
like really strange noises, like almost like commercial jingles or something, mm-hmm. like just really far out. Um, and then Black Moth Super Rainbow. Oh yeah. When I discovered yeah. them, I was like, this is the shit. Crucial. Yes. Yeah. Like yeah. that song Roller Disco is one of those songs I could listen to repeatedly for ever. I really love listening to music on repeat. Um, yeah, Harmonia, um, Ashra, they have this album, New Age of Earth, which is one of my favorites of all time, like Ocean of Tenderness. <laughs> I mean, can it get any better than that? Like Ocean of Tenderness. Um, Brian Eno. I don't, I think Rennie introduced me to Brian Eno. That's like a no brainer, I guess. Yeah, I, but. for sure. I mean, it, a touchstone for so much music what um what was your first brian you know um piece of music that you heard or album that you heard another green world such, such which a is record. the best one it is it is <laughs> it, it has like it has the best of all brian <laughs> yes wrapped in one record it's been one of those albums that has stuck with me for a long time and like just been in important moments and that album inspired my album No More Running mm. um, in like an interesting way, which is, it's kind of silly, but I like had been dating this person and one of our songs was All Come Running by Brian Eno. And then we broke up, he broke up with me. And um, I decided I was gonna make an album. I was like, okay, so it's time for me to do my thing. <laughs> And I'm not running. You know, I was just like, I'm not running to you. I'm doing my thing. Um, Empowerment. But, you know, like, pretty much until 2016, like, I was making music pretty casually. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasn't really interested in playing shows. And what kind of music was it? Was it similar Um, to um, this? Or was it... I mean, you could play the guitar, bass, drums. Yeah, Yeah, so... I'm kind of jumping around. I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's it's fine. Um, but yeah. So is it is it was it like electronic music or was so it? So I moved to Nashville when I was 18. Okay. To go to Belmont. Oh, okay. And got a business degree there because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Smart thing to have as a musician. Honestly, it's been helpful. Like, it certainly doesn't hurt to know like stuff about accounting and marketing yeah, and entrepreneurship sure. and things like that so and I just met a lot of great people and um, I took drum lessons which was sweet um, from this guy Chester Thompson who played with like Frank Zappa and oh, wow. Phil Collins like totally awesome and like I'm not a good drummer I'm like a, a novice you know and he was just really supportive it was like the transition from high school to college was hard for me like I didn't know anyone in Nashville, and, like, yeah, I was just a really introverted person. And I was like, this is my, I'm just going to start over. But it doesn't really happen like that, you know, especially if you don't have anyone to talk to. But fortunately, I had drums, so that was really pivotal. But um, I actually took a semester off from Belmont after my first semester just because I was, like, just not feeling prepared or like it was just rough it was just rough for me I was really isolated um and during that time I bought my first synthesizer Mm. on Craigslist for a hundred dollars my Alesis Micron rest in peace oh my god it just died last week I'm so bummed about it I wrote most of the album with that synthesizer like probably like 80% of the album but anywho um so yeah, that was like a really, really significant moment for me. And I was just 
you know, I went back to Belmont the following fall and just like kind of making recordings, but not very often. Like I was just kind of doing school and like going through the motions. Like I used to be a very rigid type A person, but you know, there was this secret part of me that was like, don't you want to do something a little more interesting? <laughs> don't you like music a lot? There's like, Shh, no, it's too risky. It involves like being in front of people. Like, no. So, you know, I just like was a perfectionist and I'm still dealing with that, you know, of course, but. It's not a bad thing to have, especially with the very precise music that you're making. It's a blessing and a curse, you know, like my discipline is a blessing and a curse. Like, so, um, yeah, I was just making music casually and I um, had like played a show with a band in Nashville, but it was just like a one-time thing and I was just so insecure about playing music with people in general. Um, and then, well, I guess like a significant, there was like a significant sort of like series of events that happened, like relationship ended and um, my dad died unexpectedly. And um, when was that? That was June, 2016. Mm. So almost three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Wow, I lost my dad uh, May of 2015. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's like a like world upender. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. It was like everything just got turned around. You know, like um, it just became really clear to me everything that I thought mattered didn't matter. You know, I was so um, you know isolated and like obsessive and controlling and like anxious and depressed and just basically grasping at these things to try and like have control over my life but I wasn't happy at all I was really unhappy and I was sick like I had an eating disorder I was just like um I was not well but it I couldn't really see that until after my dad died Mm -hmm. for some reason it was just like um so that, that had been going on previous to your dad uh, dad passing away, and then w- that kind of snapped that into focus? For sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It was like, you know, I struggled with the eating disorder from, like, age 10 until, well, you know, some people say that full recovery is impossible, but I believe it is. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm there, I would say, which is really um, cool to be able to say. But... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and my dad struggled with mental illness, too. So it was like, wow, um, I really need to take care of myself. And that involves, like, being healthy physically and emotionally and doing things that make me feel good. Because basically, I felt like I wasn't allowed to do things that felt good previously. Like, um, Was that uh, part of the Catholic upbringing? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like, anything that gives you pleasure. <laughs> like, yeah don't trust it you know don't trust yourself Mm -hmm. which is a really harmful message yeah yeah yeah. in my opinion well I I found that like growing up very strictly religious it was like um don't trust yourself unless what yourself is telling you lines up with like totally preconceived like these preordained things um then you can trust yourself right any anytime else like and 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 it's really interesting because like when you're in a belief structure that doesn't rely on any sort of like empirical evidence you have to go by like kind of 
gut feeling yeah. and like kind of like a you know a spiritual connection or something like that that comes from within but like the second that deviates outside of like what it's like laid down then it's like oh well no you're 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 just wrong or you're being deceived or you know you're you know our brains can tell us you know wacky things sometimes yeah, yeah. for sure and i was just like a rule follower mm-hmm. i love Same. rules i yeah 100% you know i'm 100% rule follower oh oh my god yeah. like tell me tell me what to do and I'll do i it will perfectly. do it yeah i will color inside the line yes um yeah so yes. give me a pat on the head for sure yeah. yeah i definitely operated that way for a really long time um but then you know everything shifted and i was entering my last semester at Belmont and like also going through treatment for the eating disorder and you know grieving the loss of my dad it was I'm sometimes like how did I make it through that period like (laughs) there were times where I was like I don't think that I can do this but like what I realized from that experience was like like taking care of myself is directly related to my creativity and my creative energy and prior to like seeking help um and like really feeling motivated to be good to myself basically I just didn't have the same energy but like going through treatment and like connecting with myself more emotionally and like letting myself have feelings it's like okay now I'm you know, that's another thing. After my dad died, music was like a survival mechanism. It was like, I don't know what else to do, you know? Like, I don't, I mean, there's nothing else that I can do, basically. So um, it just became like functional and also like a, a way to just kind of process something I really didn't understand because my dad's death was super um, enigmatic. Like I saw him two days before he died and then I went back to Nashville and I tried calling him and he just didn't answer. And it was like, you know, we found out several days later after I was bugging my uncle, I was like, what's going on? And yeah, we found out that he died and like got the medical examiner's report back and it said that the cause of death was failure to thrive, which just really hit me, you know? I was like, wow <laughs> I was hoping for some clarity like yeah, um, it's very like cryptic yeah definitely and so um, this has actually been like an ongoing saga like kind of an investigation on my on my part um, that actually just kind of got resolution like several days ago mm. but at the time I just kind of accepted it for what it was um, so I went through treatment finished college by the grace of God Um, and then just committed myself wholeheartedly to music, you know, like my dad was a huge support, like to me in terms of my creativity, like with music and visual art and, you know, it was just like, I'm not playing around anymore. Like, uh, this is a a fact, like I'm here to create stuff and share it with people. And it's just part of my path and like my growth as a human, because music challenges me in the ways that are like least comfortable, you know, like the eating disorder told me that, you know, I just needed to disappear. But like being creative, making music, performing, it's like you're <laughs> quite the opposite. Yeah, you're front and center <laughs> yeah. in people's attention. Exactly. Yeah. And like really being vulnerable, like sharing yourself 
with people in a way. Um, so it's just been totally fantastic. But the first live show that I played, my first solo show, was in 2017. Um, I had worked at an art gallery in St. Louis, and the owner of the gallery was like, he knew that I played music, but you know, I was not really trying to advertise myself or anything. Um, he was like, why don't you play show at this like gallery opening? I was like, okay, sure. And like that was the beginning, and it was like, okay, I'm into this. <laughs> and was this uh, similar to like No More Running, like the music on No More Running? Um, yeah, actually, the one of the first times I so the track No More Running, I played that at my first show. But that track like has evolved so much over time. Like in the beginning, it was just some weird experiment, but. Um, yeah, it was mostly ambient music. Um, I had my Alesis Micron and like an RC30, like a looper and a vocal effects pedal, the TC, what's it called? Um, TC Helicon Voice Play Live. Um, yeah, it was totally exhilarating and fun. I was like, this is actually a fun experience. I can do this more often. Um, and you know, to get positive feedback felt really good. And I was like, I'm gonna finish this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a record. You know, I'm gonna make an album or something. Um, and like, in Nashville, everyone was just really supportive of what I was doing, which I wasn't anticipating. You know, it was like my world really opened up in a serious way when I finished treatment, um, and after my dad died, which sounds like maybe morbid, but. Um, it was just like a really painful, necessary thing to happen. Um, and yeah, basically I worked on the album, I guess from 2017 this summer until basically <laughs> like a month before I put it out last August. Um, and I was really kind of anxious about the fact that, you know, I hadn't done this before and I make music that sometimes I feel self-conscious about it being too broad like the mm -hmm. things the sounds that I make mm -hmm. you know like sometimes I like to make really ambient like meditative music and sometimes I want to make dance music and kind of like sometimes I want to play bass and make rock and roll music so I was like is this okay I was like haha yes of course it's okay this is my call right, right. <laughs> um so yeah finished it in maybe July of last year okay. and then put it out um, on a local label banana tapes mm -hmm. and went on my first tour which was a totally awesome experience except wow. for one show which was super rotten but uh, what, what was <laughs> is that a story for a podcast um maybe maybe it is I mean it's not I mean nothing unusual it was like New York okay of course sure. I guess um I had like psyched myself up into playing this show for months. Like I was really fighting to make it happen. Um, it was at this venue called Baby's All Right. I've heard of that. Which they put on some cool shows. It's like a really nice place. And I just had so much expectation, you know, because I, I don't know, this is all new to me. I'm just new at this whole process. I was like, this is gonna be a big deal and I'm gonna play great. And like, after this tour ends, I'm gonna like get a record deal, you know, it was just, that's kind of where I'm so idealistic and like my, my imagination is just like, well, yeah, duh, you know, but <laughs> that's not reality. Um, so it's kind of 
jarring sometimes. That's something that I struggle with, like fantasy world in my head, which is like basically a utopia, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, reality. So um, I had like been on tour for three weeks and had already been in New York and like was in St. Louis and drove back to New York to play at Baby's All Right, which is just kind of nuts. But it's a long drive. It was a long drive. <laughs> um, but I felt that the staff was really disrespectful to me. Like they made comments like, no one's gonna come to the show, so it doesn't really matter if we do this or that. They didn't promote the show whatsoever. Um, no one would really look me in the eye. Um, like it wasn't loud enough. Like it was like painfully quiet which was super uncomfortable and like as soon as I finished it's like the whole venue shut down when it's usually open until like four in the morning so it was really hard for me not to be affected um and it was so unlike any experience I've had in Nashville or really anywhere else and you know like also settling up with the people at the venue afterwards it was like I felt ashamed you know I felt like a dog with my tail between its legs like oh my god like you think I'm a joke you know here I am collecting like $30 from you <laughs> like oh shit so it kind of burst my bubble and it was really necessary because not everyone I don't I can't expect everyone to like be kind unfortunately um it's a shocking thing sometimes. I know, I know. Because, like, it's like, well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Why wouldn't you be respectful? Yeah. yeah. But some people, um, it's more difficult or they're having a rough time. You know, everyone is on their own path, you know. I can't tell anyone how to behave, really. Um, so that kind of burst my bubble. But then, um, oh, I also, I played at Big Years in 2018. Wow. At the drone, the 12-hour drone, which was awesome. It was an incredible experience. Like, Big Ears is my favorite time of the year with that. I mean, and, you know, it's like, why did they ask me to play? Like, I had, like, just been playing shows for, like, a couple months. And someone wow. hit me up. I was like, um, yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, someone caught my set, uh, which was a really fun set. And I've never done anything like it since. But... I had a contact mic attached to um, clippers, like hair clippers, and I shaved my head and like had running through Ableton and was processing some stuff. So it was just like really fun. Like I had no plan for what I was going to do when I got there. Like literally the night before I was like, I kind of feel like I should shave my head, you know, like I kind of feel like, and then my friend was like, well, because I was like just getting used to Ableton and everything. I was like, let's, I'm going to buy some clippers, like this is going to happen. So it was a really fun experience. Um, and I met someone named Gio who like later encouraged me to release the deluxe version of the album and, um, has been like a great resource. He, um, works for this company called Terrorbird Media. Yeah. 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 Emailed me a couple times. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Super sweet. Super sweet dude. Um, so that's been amazing. And, uh, Yeah, so the deluxe version was released on the 26th of April, and uh, I'm always recording, like, all the time, Um, so I've been working on, like, two separate albums, I guess, like, one which is, like, dance music, like, pop, pop dance music, like, weird pop, 
Um, but like, what isn't weird pop these days? Yeah. Right. Like, exactly. Listening to like, um, you know, stuff on the radio, I'm just like, this is like the most interesting music that's out there. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah, stuff that I was like, we were talking about like orange milk earlier. It's like, wow, like you're taking like these like you know MIDI choral samples, um, and and now that it's like. I listen to that on the radio, you know, mm. it's like mainstream radio, like, li- this is like weird electronic music that, you know, a couple of years ago would have like been kind of on the fringes of the avant-garde, yeah. that like modern pop music is fully embraced, so like, yeah, pop music is like the weirdest stuff out there right now. It's I amazing. have so much hope in weird pop music, mm-hmm. and like, it reminds me also, there's this documentary on Ryuchi Sakamoto that's on YouTube, which is really great. And he's a big inspiration to me. And, uh, you know, he's like a magnificent composer and like classically trained. Then he's like, I want to make pop music. Like, I want to affect people, mm-hmm. you know? It's like, yeah, yeah. That's, the, that's, the, that's the trick right there, you know? So to me, like, yeah, it's kind of some sort of combination of those forces. But um, I'm working on two different albums, I guess. One, which is the dance, pop, whatever, lyrical, and the other, which is, like, ambient, experimental chaos, in a way. Like, kind of, like, soundtrack music. That's what I envision it being. Like, I really want to make soundtrack music. So, yeah, yeah, those are kind of the things on my horizon. And then moving to Oakland for school. Right, yeah. Yeah. So, starting uh, MFA at Mills. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. I'm super stoked. So much uh, amazing music is coming out of there, and it seems like just like a really supportive like group of people making, like pushing the boundaries of electronic music. For sure, yeah. I've met like some of my future classmates online. I'm like, yeah, yeah let's right. do this. We're I should gonna, also mention... We're all um, going to have records out on Crank. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> That's the spirit. Cranky, um, cranky class of 2020. <laughs> that would be totally awesome. I see it happening. I totally see it happening. Um, I also... Well, it's funny, though, because actually applied and was accepted to Mills in 2018, but decided not to go. Mm. Um, because my friend Jess Chambers had approached me and was like, we had just become friends, and she's like, I have this idea, do you want to get tea? I was like, okay, you seem cool. Like, she was a musician, we met at Big Ears. Um, and basically, we conceived of the idea of Hyacinth House, which is an electronic music collective that we started together. Um, to support and empower female, non-binary, and trans artists, creative people. Um, so we've put on workshops and like had meetups and uh, put shows together in Nashville and like do one-on-one kind of synth intros with people, which wow, has been fun. Awesome. We did an awesome event in April. It was literally a dream come true. There's this independent movie theater called The Bell Court, and they approached us and were like, we have these really cool, like, silent films from the 1920s. Do you want to score them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. So we got together a group of, like, eight or nine musicians. Um, Hyacinth House is a collective. It's, like, Jess and I are kind of, um, you know, where the founders were kind of laying down the structure, but we like to include people, like, anywhere in the community. And, like, if they have ideas, we want them to just basically use Hyacinth House as a resource to do whatever they feel passionate about. Um, so it was great, like, just an amazing night. Um, and, you know, we've been talking, like, what's 
what's going to happen with Hyacinth House like when I move? But we're still going to continue doing the work. Cool. Um, Once you get your business degree yes. com- coming in handy? Yes, yeah. for sure. So, yeah. And now I'm like, it's so funny. Um, the Belcourt event happened, and I was talking to a friend, and she's like, you know, I've been thinking about Mel. She's like, why don't you reach out? And so I did, and they're like, come. I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> awesome. I will come. So, music. Um spiritual practice intuitive exercise trusting myself knowing myself trying to create a better reality so let me ask you this yeah I um, like in the field that I work in and um, being in like creative circles I hear a lot about self-care yeah um, how important self-care is um, but it's never like explicitly defined and I think that's like by um, you know, like there's general guidelines, like, hey, mm-hmm. get enough sleep, you know, right. um, take breaks and stuff like that. How do you define self-care and how do you practice self-care? Oh, this is a great question. <laughs> how do I define self-care? Um, just being attentive to yourself, not abandoning yourself, which is something that I'm actually pretty good at because um, I have this tendency like to just kind of get caught up in people or situations and then I lose sense of like what are my needs you know um, so self-care is um, really being with myself um, self-care looks like so many different things but more like routines grounding routines like getting up having tea writing eating breakfast meditating moving, you know, riding a bike, exercising, whatever it might be. Um, self-care, seeing my therapist, seeing my dietitian. I meet with an Ayurvedic practitioner. She's really cool and enormously helpful. It's like ancient Indian medicine. Uh, it's like lifestyle medicine, holistic medicine. She recommends, like, she helped me kind of create my morning routine. Um, And Ayurveda is awesome. It's basically, the theory is, like, everyone's kind of ruled by the elements. You know, there's, like, fire and water and air and earth. And each individual is a different combination of those. So I'm, like, I'm more airy than, than, like, watery, for sure. Um, So it's just been, like, a really interesting and helpful journey. Like, and being on tour and self-care, that can be a challenge. And, you know... I try to be flexible because that's a really important thing for me. You know, like if I get rigid, then I don't know, just lose the fun in life. So I bring along stuff though, like lavender oil and Palo Santo, which I like to burn before I play. And um, self-care is being with people. It's being vulnerable. It's being real, connecting. Ugh. Resting so hard for me, so hard for <laughs> yeah, me to same. rest. Oh God, <laughs> like, yeah. So that's something that I'm learning and working on continually. Yeah, I think that's a really good, um, that's a really good view of viewing self care. I, fe- I feel like a lot of people sort of get this check mo- checklist mentality with self care, yeah. and it becomes like an even more like stressful thing. It's like, for sure. Oh, I didn't self care today. God damn, suck. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, uh, like one more thing I got to do now. Right. Um, so I, yeah, I think I think sort of integrating um, that into things that you're already doing, um, but being attentive of 
where you are and checking in with yourself, I think is definitely super, super important. Yeah. Well, I think that I think we covered it. I think we covered I a think, lot. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground. We did it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for agreeing to uh, chat with me and playing this show. For sure. Uh, so much fun. Yeah, so it was for fun. me too. Yeah. Thank you so much. It yeah. was very inspiring. Total blast. Great vibes. Getting people out on a Thursday night. Yes. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool. Well, thanks again. Um, we'll have to do this again sometime. Sounds great. Yeah. Thanks, Ryan. Thank you so much for recording. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Uh, you really, man, people came through tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone came through really fabulously. Yeah. Thank you.